This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Why don't you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to start reading from verse 7. And when you are praying, do not use thoughtless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm just going to go up to that point for right now. What I usually find is that the Holy Spirit starts to work with me in certain ways and he starts to give me direction and impetus as to where he wants to move. And as he moves me into different spaces, what ends up happening is he gives me some understanding and some revelation about a particular place. And then we build on that. And so over the last number of weeks, we've been talking about the significance and the importance, the value and the place of the head and the heart in people's lives um, and how God uses those particular spaces. And the reason I tell you that is because sometimes what ends up happening is because it's cumulative, I always try to encourage people to at least watch it or come. Because what ends up happening is you kind of lose step if you go a couple of steps ahead. So I want to talk about some things today. And my reference point is very much what we've been speaking about over the last few weeks. So if you at some point feel as though you're looking for clarity on some things, my encouragement to you would be to go and to listen to some of those teachings. I want to speak to you this morning on something that is titled The Breath of Life. The Breath of Life. When we pray, we pray with expectancy. The reason that people pray is because they're looking for change. The reason that we pray is because we want to get connected with God. We're looking for God to come and intervene in a situation. We're looking for his influence. We're looking for him, his power. We're looking for a change and transformation in a particular thing. Nobody prays looking for change and not expecting God to do those things. We always live in the expectancy of something happen, happening. Are you with me this morning? Yes. Are you sure? I haven't even got deep yet and you're all so quiet. <laughs> I don't even have a joke for you. Okay, you want to stick with me here. I don't know if you're with me if you're just staring because it may just be a glazed over look where you're kind of like, I'm still in Saturday night. I haven't quite emerged into Sunday yet. So, okay. The challenge with it is, in too many instances, we pray with good intentions, but we don't always get the result that we're looking for. Okay, now everybody's quiet again. You know what? If you say amen more excitedly than anybody else, you know what they'll think? It can't be that person. It must be the one sitting next to me on the other side. We don't always get the results that we're looking for. Why? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked it because that's really what I want to begin to explore today. There, there are a number of different reasons and things to look at when we get into the avenue of prayer, but what God specifically has been speaking to me about is power praying, the ability to, be, to use prayer to be able to affect and bring about change and transformation in situations and circumstances, and how do we do that? When we pray, we should live in the expectancy that something's going to happen. We should live in a celebration of, because I've prayed, I understand what's been introduced into that situation, and I'm looking for change. I'm looking for transformation. 
I should know that and have a confidence that because I prayed, something's going to happen. There are a couple of things that we, we need to just discuss up front. And the one thing is mercy. Understand that in God's benevolence, he has something called mercy. What it means is he can do whatever he likes, whenever he likes. He doesn't have to follow rules. It's because he's motivated by love. He can do things in any way that he wants. But mercy is not an indication. It's not a measure of our spiritual maturity. The just shall live by faith. What he's saying is, life is going to throw some stuff at you. All too often, if we approach our disposition towards life where we're quite casual in our relationship with God, it's okay and we don't always need God until we find ourselves up to our binopscotch in water and I'm desperately trying to keep my head above water and I feel like I'm drowning. And what ends up happening is God has to jump in and save me with regularity. It's called mercy. The thing about it is God isn't, he doesn't want us to leave us in a place of mercy. He's not going to want us to be at a place where we don't experience his love. But he's always wanting to introduce us to his grace. Grace is teaching you to swim. I don't want to save you all the time. You've got to learn how to swim. Because life's going to continue to throw stuff at you. And the thing about it is grace becomes an important way because it becomes the lifestyle of the just. We don't live by God's intervention saving me all the time. He's saying, I've already made provision for you to learn how to swim. Learn how to swim. You can do this. And so he's talking at the moment and and he's sitting saying, okay, listen, look at these people who are praying and look how they're praying and all the rest of it. And this is the paraphrased version. And what he's saying is, the problem with it is, is there's no results with what's happening here. And he's saying, if you're interested in really getting results, what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce you to how to pray. I'm going to begin to speak to you, and I'm going to show you and demonstrate to you what it is to learn how to pray. And when he he begins to, to run through the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, what he's really doing is he's sitting saying, I'm not talking about something that's ritualistic. It is not a ritual. It is not something you do out of obligation. The thing about God is, if we have to understand, is that when he begins to show us what the Lord's Prayer is all about, each aspect and each avenue of of the Lord's Prayer is a placeholder. It carries within it depth of revelation. It's very much like parables. The, The disciples said to him, Jesus, tell us, why is it that you speak in parables? And he said, the reason that I speak in parables is because truth is hidden in there. The problem with it is, how much do you want that truth? Because other people, although they're seeing, they don't actually see. And although they're hearing and listening, they don't actually hear. What he's saying is, how consequential is truth to you? Because if it is, we have to take the time to be able to sit and say, I want to scratch beyond the surface. I want to get a little bit deeper than what things look like when I'm just looking at things at a surface level. It comes down to hunger and how hungry we are for the things of God. So when we get into this, what I'm going to do is I want to dig a little bit deeper into, this, into the things. I want to begin to expose what it is. Why is it that God's speaking to us about these things? Every word that Jesus chose in the Lord's Prayer was there with intention. Nothing is accidental. He never threw in random verbiage because he was trying to fill space. Everything is there because of intentionality. Intentionality. 
What he's giving us is he's sitting saying, I'm going to reveal to you and give you an understanding of why we pray in this way and what constitutes effective prayer. He's establishing a pattern. And so what he's saying to us is if you understand the depths of the pattern, it'll give you a paradigm with which you're able to approach prayer. The Lord's Prayer was a designed as a pattern. It's not a substitute for prayer. All too often people sit and say, well, let's just pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, vain babblings. It's not going to do anything. It's not a substitute for prayer. What he's saying is, I want you to come deeper. I want you to come into the exclusive places. I want you to come to the point where I can take you a little deeper so I can reveal my heart to you and show you the purpose and the power of prayer. And so he starts off. Our Father. Bam! Two words in. Two words in. And all of a sudden, mainstream religion was shot. He never got any further. He just, his first two words, sabotaged the establishment. The first time ever, ever, that God the Father, that, that God, Yahweh, was presented as the Father. This is how you pray. Our Father. And they looked at him. The establishment was shocked. Because you've taken an authoritarian God. Someone whose laws we followed. Someone that we followed because we understood who he was and what he is all about. And you've put him into a totally different paradigm. We don't have context for God like that. It's blasphemous. He speaks about Father because he's introducing a paradigm shift. Nothing small, but something consequential. He's introducing a paradigm shift of magnitude. We're going to step from law and we're going to step into grace. We're going to step from the written word and we're going to step into the spoken word. We're going to move from legality and we're going to move into relationship. There is a paradigm shift that's taking place right at the moment. And he's saying, if you can't get on board, I can't share the rest. Our father, it's not just any relationship that he's talking about. He's talking about the most consequential relationships in our development as young people. When you're born, your father, your mother nurtures you, but your father has influence in affirming your identity. Our father, what he's saying is, any relationship that has consequence demands heart connection. If it doesn't have heart connection, it's relegated to functionality. I have a functional relationship with the serviceman. I have a functional relationship with the checkout clerk at Safeway. But I have a meaningful relationship with my wife. You see, relationships that have consequence, relationships that are heart connected, are relationships that demand something that goes beyond simple head knowledge. It gets into things that are intangible yet consequential. It begins to touch on things like trust and love. Compassion and empathy. 
and confidence. Consequential things that begin to affect our life. They things that inhabit the very center of our being. When you talk about the heart of the matter, you're talking about that thing that is most consequential in everything that's being discussed and everything that's happened. The thing that's most consequential is the heart. He's talking to the heart of who you are. The reason he's doing that is because he understands the way that you've been created. And what he's doing is he's positioning himself in a place because he knows if he can take something of who he is and he can connect with the very soul, the very heart, the very center point of who you are, it puts him in a place where he's able to influence and affect the course of your life. It's about relationship. Moses had relationship with God. He met with God face to face. Excuse me. He met him at the burning bush. He met him when he went up the mountain. Moses met with God. And because he met with God, things happened in Moses' life. He introduced plagues. He separated the Red Sea. He touched a rock and water came out. Things happened In Moses' life, that never happened in Israel's life. Moses went up the mountain and met with God and came down with the Ten Commandments. Israel lived by what they read. Moses lived by what he heard. Moses said to them, come up the mountain with me so that you can hear the voice of God. Dave, can you fix this? So that you can hear the voice of God. And they said, no, Moses, you go up there. You come down and tell us what God said. The problem with it is they missed out. Because things happen when you hear God speak that you never get when you read about what he did. The Bible is replete with people who did things of consequence. And you know what the common denominator is? All of them heard him speak. You won't find people in the Bible who read about what God did without doing something of consequence. Abraham had a visitation from God and God said, and he became the father of many nations. Peter said, you are the Christ. And Jesus said, you're blessed. Why was he blessed? Because your flesh and blood never revealed this to you, but you heard the voice. Things can happen in your life because you know how to hear the voice. Paul, Dave, I need you to help me. Um, Paul came face to face and met with, with, with Jesus in a way that he never expected. But Paul did incredible things. Not because he was studious, not because he learned a whole bunch of stuff, but because he was connected and he heard the voice of God. Things happen when we hear the voice of God, not when we read about what God does. Thank you, Dave. I don't know that that's any better. (laughs) Things happen when you hear the voice of God that doesn't happen when you read about what God did. Jesus separated himself regularly to go and meet with God. I only do the things I see the Father do. What was he saying? Things happen when you hear his voice. That will never happen when you read about him. Jesus is standing and he says, Our Father! 
And everybody who was religious opened their eyes in horror because he was saying to them, I know what you've dedicated and spent your life doing. You study and you committed to that. You want to hear about God. You've been into the Old Testament. You understand the Torah. You read the book of the month club. You've been watching it on television. You know everything about God. The problem with it is I'm introducing a new paradigm. And what I'm telling you is what you've heard about God isn't what's going to sustain you in the dimension to come. What I'm telling you is unless you can change your paradigm and move into God, my Father, and step into a relationship, you will never realize thy kingdom come. He was doing something that was shifting their paradigm. We have a church in America that is hungry for knowledge. We're hungry to know the next great revelation. We want to know the next great truth. Have you read the book of the month? Or did you hear that great teaching from whatever? The problem with it is the voice that God is bringing to us and the invitation is our Father. What he's saying is it's time to move beyond what you know about God to step into a place where you can hear his voice. As long as you live with your teaching, your Christianity will get dry. Until we get to the place where we sit and say, I have connection with him and I heard him speak, it will be dry and lifeless. It was important, it was consequential, but it was unsettling. Because I've spent my life knowing about God. I've spent my life studying God. I've spent my life getting a paradigm and a reality as to who he is and what he's all about. And suddenly you sit and say, I can't live in my head. I have to move to a space where I'm going to recognize him and connect with him in the central point of my life, in my heart. It demands something of me that is a shift from where I've been to where I'm going. I don't always know how to do that. And I'm a little bit uncomfortable with it because I'm navigating waters that I haven't been in before. I'm in spaces where it's like I knew where it was. I knew what the parameters were. I knew how to do this. I knew how to realize that. I knew how to walk into all of those things. It may not have delivered everything that I needed it to deliver, but I knew And I was comfortable in my knowing. All of a sudden, what you're saying to me is, I have to step into a new paradigm that I'm uncomfortable with. As long as your Christianity gets comfortable, be careful. Because it'll leave you planted where you are. The things of God always invite us into newness. Newness means unrealized beforehand. Because I've never been into that space, it's not uncommon for it to be different Different doesn't mean it's wrong. We always get established in truth. What he's saying to us is the paradigm is shifting. And the invitation I'm extending to you is to move beyond where you are, to move beyond the paradigm in which you find yourself, to move beyond your understanding and your knowledge, and to move to a place where I hear his voice. Relationship will define the paradigm that we're moving into. The challenge is, for so many of them, they were so accustomed to living by what they knew. It wasn't that they were ignorant of the Old Testament. They knew it. The thing is, when you knew the Old Testament, it put a responsibility on you. Because if you know truth, you have a responsibility to step into that truth. 
The challenge with it was they couldn't do it. They tried really hard and there was a measure of success, but there was a whole bunch of failure. And so every year what ended up happening is I had to make my way to the temple and I had to go and make a sacrifice to sit and say, you know what, I've tried really hard. I've spent my time at shul over the last year. I understand what God is looking for. I understand the life that he, that he invites us into. And I'm trying to live that life really well. But you know what, I haven't really succeeded. So what I'm doing here is I'm making an offering for all of those times where I actually fell short. Many Christians are still trying to live in that old paradigm. We're still trying to live by what we can do for God. We understand who he is, and we understand what it means to be a good Christian, and we're trying really hard to be a good Christian. But with regularity, we find, you know what? I can't actually live up to it. And I spend my life going up to the front and rededicating my life. I spend my life asking for forgiveness for all of those things. I'm not saying forgiveness isn't important. What I want you to hear is this. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. What he's saying is, as long as you want to live where you were living, as long as you want to live in the paradigm of knowing God without stepping into hearing his voice, all I can tell you is this. The letter is going to kill you. You need to make a shift. I'm introducing you to our Father. Because our Father is going to shift your paradigm from your head to your heart. What it's saying is, no longer am I going to be at a place where I'm trying to conform to what I believe I should be doing. I'm going to be made new. When I start living from that space, all of a sudden it creates an opportunity for God to do something on the inside of me. To take part of who he is and to take that life and establish, what is going on here? I'll do it myself. It's going to look really funny, but it'll work. It it creates an opportunity for God to get to the place where he's saying, I'm dealing with your heart. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take of who I am and I'm going to deposit life into that space. Life is not going to be found in what I understand. Life is something that is gifted to us through relationship. It's gifted to us through relationship. It's not of you, lest any man should boast. It comes from him. And so it becomes important for us to understand that at the very outset of understanding how it is that we walk into meaningful and powerful prayer, the, one, the number one entrance requirement is that we get established in the paradigm of relationship. Our Father. If we can't get to that place, everything else is inconsequential. Because it establishes a mindset and a paradigm through which we're able to view the rest of what he's inviting us into. If we're still going to sit from a legal paradigm, what ends up happening is we'll see everything that he's speaking to us from that paradigm. But when we step into a paradigm that is defined by grace and love, we'll see things differently. Our Father becomes consequential. It's the gateway to the Lord's Prayer. Oh, jeez. Help me, Lord. <laughs> well, we, we've got to, like, we'll be at about five because it's a long prayer. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to have to do this in a few stages. Our Father, who art in heaven. What was he doing? He was establishing an understanding in our lives 
of the creator and the created. He was wanting us to come to a place where we recognize the divine and humanity. And they are not one and the same. What he's saying is when God created you, he took dust and made you in his image, your body, soul, and spirit. But you were created for the earth. You were created for that which was natural. The reason is because you have the ability to be able to have influence in the natural realm. You can gain understanding about the world in which we find ourselves. You can get a skill set. You can do so much about the natural realm that gives you influence in the natural space. And he's saying, you were built for that. You were designed for that. The thing about it is God is not the same. God is the creator. God is spirit. And so when we begin to understand God's nature, what he's saying to us is, I want for you to recognize that there is a difference between the two of us. I am the one who's not limited by ordinary circumstances. There are no parameters placed on me like they are placed on you. I can do things that you cannot do. I can introduce things that you cannot introduce. It begins to... What it does is it speaks to us about the transcendent nature of God. It's a big word, but basically what it means is this. God transcends the natural realm. He's bigger than who we are and what we're all about. He's establishing a paradigm that he wants us to begin to recognize that he is the source of all things. It becomes consequential because what he's... Ah, sorry, I'm watching the time. It becomes consequential because the thing is, John chapter 3 verse... uh, John 3 verse 6, I think it says, what's flesh is flesh, what's spirit is spirit. What he wants us to do is recognize this. Things you can do in and of yourself as a natural person is good and it's fine. And you should be doing stuff. We should be accomplished in the natural realm. But there are some things where we need God's intervention in life. There are places where if we want to have meaningful relationship with him, we have to understand that that comes from him. There is a separation between flesh and spirit. The reason he's drawing those parallels is this. He wants us to understand that when we want to walk into a new dimension of experience with God, I cannot do the things that he can do. That's his territory. The only way I can do what he does is if he takes of himself and gives it to me. Otherwise, I'm a conformist. I'm trying to live like God. I'm trying to look like God. I'm trying to act like God. But my prayers don't go anywhere. My prayers are inconsequential. I can't lay hands on the sick and they recover. I find I can't do the things that I'm called to do. Why? Because I'm trying to live like a God that I recognize who he is. I know how I should be living, but I'm trying to do it. And what he's saying is, our father, change your paradigm. You can't live by your head. Stop trying to get into that space. You have to move into the heart where all of a sudden what is of him is taken and gifted to us. When I have something of his, it changes everything. Because I don't speak from a place that's about me. I speak from a place that's about him. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When he speaks about the names of God, the names of God always speak about what God's nature is. Jehovah Jireh, the all-sufficient one, great provider, 
the Lord who will provide for me. It's giving us a definition as to who he is. Every time you read about the word of uh, the name of God, what it's doing is it's giving us an understanding and an appreciation for who he is and what his nature is all about. When we say, hallowed be thy name, what hallowed means is it means reveal your name to me in a way that I can walk into the glory of what that name represents. Hallowed be thy name. Is saying to us this. It all happens and starts with relationship. And out of the context of relationship, I want you to introduce you to the, the reality that you are you and I am me. But the two, and the goal of the two is that they should become one. But you can't do what I can do. You're going to become dependent on me. So you need to discover who I am. And when you discover who I am, I can take some things and I can begin to impart them to you so that they are of me, not of you. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What was he saying? I created you to be natural. I created you to live in the earth. And as such, live in the earth. Get skilled, get a career, do some stuff, go and have influence. I gave you the earth for you to dwell in. It's your domain. But man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What is he taking? What is he saying? He's making us aware of the fact that I'm giving you an understanding as to how I'm going to take those things that are of me and I'm going to impart them to you. We use words so glibly, but in God's economy, words are weighty. Words in God's economy is how wealth transfer takes place. When God speaks, things happen. Why? Because he takes of who he is. And his way of expressing that and conveying that is through words. My words are spirit and they are life. Both the Hebrew and the Greek word for wind and breath is spirit. Spirit. When you speak, you can influence atmospheres. Because you're speaking spirit. Wait till you're happy at home and you're all eating dinner and somebody comes in and they're furious and they open their mouth. What happens? The atmosphere changes. What happened? I released something. (sighs) When God speaks, spirit comes. What he's saying is my words are spirit and life. What he's saying is I'm taking that which is of me, not that which is of you, and I'm imparting them to you. You want to know why Moses could do what he did? You want to know why Abraham became the father of many nations? You want to know why Mary said, so be it unto me? You want to know why Jesus did the things that he did? It's because he put himself at a place where he exposed himself to spirit. I got to hear his voice because when I hear his voice, there's an impartation that takes place which is of him into me. It's not going into my head, it's going into my heart. I got to change my paradigm, I got to change the way that I approach God because if I don't, I'm going to miss it. What is he doing? 
He's using that as the gateway so that he can walk us into an experiential reality of Christ in me, the hope of glory. He didn't say, look like Christ. Don't act like Christ. Don't behave like Christ. He said, it is Christ in you that makes the difference. It's consequential because what he's saying is, this is nothing that you can do. I don't need your conformity to try and look like me. I want to take of who I am and impart it to who you are. And when I take of who I am and I put it inside of you, what ends up happening is it's no longer just I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I have a foreign body inside of me. In all reality, that's what you have. You have something of God. It's not just you. It opens, up, it opens up opportunities for us to step into dimensions of reality that we cannot purely do in the, in the natural realm. God is creating a gateway for man and for God to become one. The two shall become one. And things began to happen in that context. We get into this stuff and sometimes we lose track of what we're talking about. You do understand that he's still setting up the premise for prayer. What he's saying is, I'm giving you a framework because at the end of everything, I'm going to put you at a place where you understand and you recognize the significance of each one of these different um, avenues or, or considerations how they work and flow together so that when you move to the place where you begin to pray and speak out of your mouth, something comes out. And when it's not of you, but it's of him, things happen. But we'll talk about that next week. What I do want to say to you is this. If you want to have a word from God, if you want to hear from him, If we believe it with the 21st century church and we believe that God has called us to relationship, if we believe that God has invited us into our Father, it means that God speaks to us. He has to. So if you want to meet with our Father, what I would encourage you to do is at the end of the service, come up front. And there will be people up here to pray with you and live in expectation that he is going to speak to you. We have to hear his voice. I can't get into this right now. I'll, I'll touch on it next week. But it becomes important for us because this is what changes us in a practical way from people who know about God for people who car- to, uh, compared to people who carry God. Father, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. I want to thank you, Father. Mm. I thank you for Father's Day. I thank you that you're such a good God. And I want to thank you, Father, that as you work with us and that you're involved in our lives and that you're grooming us and that you're doing incredible things in our life, I want to thank you right now every time we come to you, every time we live from that space of our Father, that place of intimacy of relationship where we give you access to the very center of our being. I want to thank you that we position ourselves in a place where we're willing and we're ready to hear your voice.
I want to thank you that your words are spirit and life. And I want to thank you for impartations that are made into the lives of individuals. I thank you that it begins to define and establish a new place from which we can live. A place that is not defined by who we are and what we're all about, but a a space that is of you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just work in the lives of every person here this week. I pray blessing over them. I pray favor over them. I thank you for paradigm shifts and making us comfortable with transitions from where we've been into newness and where we're going. I thank you for a heart of love that's intent on connecting with us. We bless you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen.